On today's brand new podcast, I'm interviewing the energetic, the optimistic, and the ever-resilient Bryn Drescher about mental performance, perfectionism, and where do we find our identity? My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. What's up, Competitor Nation? Welcome or welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and I'm super excited about today's episode. I know I say that phrase often, and you are going to feel it today when Brynn hops on because she has some energy. She is an optimistic spirit doing incredible work with athletes in the mental performance space, and she's got an incredible story. The way her life started, the things she went through growing up, built this grit and resilience in her that we pull out and talk about a little bit today. And then really, how do we put it into our athletes? How do we teach people to, lack of a better phrase, embrace the suck? How do we work through this idea that that it's not about perfectionism, that we can chase greatness, we can chase excellence, we can strive to be perfect, but we're going to fall short of that so many times. And so how do we take care of ourselves from a mental health perspective when that happens? I hope you stick around for today's show and then be sure to check out the show notes so you can find out more about Brent's work, check out her podcast, or get connected to an upcoming challenge she issues for all listeners. Before we dive into today's show, quick reminder to join the Morning Motivation Club. All you got to do to join for free is text the word podcast to 972-945-9113. That's word podcast to 972-945-9113. 9113, and you will be opted in for free to the Morning Motivation Club and get a few texts a week from me to help you start the day more strong. Strong? That's not even a word. We're going to say start the day stronger, more focused, more encouraged, and just ready to show up and compete. And so I hope you'll join. I hope we get a chance to talk. If you reply, I absolutely will respond back. But join the club texting podcast to 972 945-9113. And then if you're in our new community over at community.competeeveryday.com, get on over there, say hi. My travel schedule is all over the country the next few months speaking. I got trips to Florida, Colorado, California, a little bit here in Texas and a lot of other states coming on the way. And if I'm in your city, man, I'd love to grab a cup of coffee. I'd love to hop in and grab a workout if your gym's nearby. But more than anything, I would just love to shake your hand, fist bump you, and say thank you for listening to the podcast, for being part of Competitor Nation. Every download, every listen, every email, every like we see on social media, every order means more to me than you will ever know. And so thank you. So get on over in the group, find out when I'm coming to your city for a keynote for a coaching client, and hopefully we can grab a cup of coffee or a good workout. Now, let's kick off today's brand new episode with Bryn Drescher. Welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. 
Hey, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you about the mental advantage, talking about your career. What I found fascinating before we get started is I noticed on your website, it has a little bit of your story, but that you didn't know a whole lot about the mental game growing up back when you were playing sports. You know, it's kind of the time we all look back on in life. We're like, oh, if only I'd known a few of these skills or what to do, you know, what would have happened? But that wasn't what I found most fascinating. I saw your story about how you grew up and thought, wow, there's someone who life essentially primed grit and resilience into for, for reasons outside of your control. Yeah. And now you're using this cool platform to be able to help other people that, that may be in a similar situation or may be different. And so kind of to kick things off, because I found it so inspiring, I'd love to hear a little bit of your background and then eventually how you got into this mental skill space. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me first and foremost, and it has been a really uh, interesting ride for sure, because I get asked that question quite a bit. Why? How did you get into this? I think, like you said, I was naturally trained to be resilient, but I had no knowledge of this word mental game, mental coaching, any of that. Um, I grew up as in a single parent household. Um, my mom raised me and she's a white woman. And as you can see, I don't sit before you as a person that is uh, white presenting. Let me say that. Obviously I have mixed uh, heritage and that was in itself had its own thing because we grew up in a predominantly white environment. And so had to kind of find your own identity within that. We didn't have a lot of money, um, but grew up in a middle-class environment. So we were just kind of feeling a little bit like fish out of water in that regard. Um, Although I'm very grateful for the schooling that I had uh, and all of the great things that came with that. But the other thing was, um, like you said, I mean, my house burned down when I was in high school. I was a foster kid uh, for a couple of years, Um, just went through a lot of different of life's challenges, even in the midst of that. But my humor was the thing that I developed as a way to, I don't know, I had it naturally or I just kind of developed it was kind of this idea of being able to bounce back quickly and just not take life so seriously. Because although when I tell my story of the difficulties I had, I rarely think about it in the context of like the heaviness of it. It's always kind of like, that's, that was my thing that I kind of, that's what you knew. Yeah, exactly. That's all I knew. Um, And then obviously sports, sports was like, you know, something I joined, I found fun, I found a place for my leadership, my voice, and obviously my talent, and just loved uh, running, track and field, did basketball. Um, I did soccer younger, but didn't stick with it um, up into the upper years of sports. And then track was the one that I took all the way to college. And just not, I knew I was good at something. I knew I had a talent for speaking. I, it was all about my talent. And so I just relied on what I was good at. And I didn't know anything about that mental game. And I got into this because I thought back to what if I had had this as an athlete and I wish I had known this stuff. And I was at first just focusing on regular people and not to say anything about like athletes and not regular people, but you know, people that aren't, haven't been in the world of athletics. Yep. And ultimately um, just realized that I was already speaking with sports analogies and things like that. And it just was a natural fit because I love that men- athletes do have that grit, that, 
that hardworking part that's so important. The only thing that we're not exposed to is how to use that and use the mind and body together. And so I wanted to, I just really got geeked out into this world. And obviously with recent events that have happened in the world of sports and as people become more awake, how important the mental game is, I'm just like, this is where I'm needed. So, so okay. So I got two couple of things off of that I want to run with. The first is, was it in obviously you started down a path, talk to me after school, after college, where you started working and then how you, I guess, either pivoted into really focusing exclusively on the mental game. And then when you switched really over to athletes as well. Yeah. So when I first uh, got out of college, I think I took a a little time off. I wanted to be a lawyer at the time. And so that was the idea, but then it was like, Oh, I'll just take some time off, got into the business world and then the money got kind of good. And so I didn't really go back to law school, but there were other reasons. I was really actually afraid. I had my whole life hinged on what if I don't do well on the bar, don't get into a good law school, don't get a good job. Because again, I grew up poor. So I was, think I was kind of afraid that I could run into that. So, um, and then when I was exposed to the mindset piece, I just really went down the rabbit hole of personal development and just got so excited about it and studying with some of the top minds in personal development, T.R. Becker. You know, I didn't take any of Tony Robbins course, but I'm aware of him and different names and different books, Napoleon Hill, just got really into that world. And um, so at first I was just doing life coaching or mindset coaching or really just wanting to find my moorings and who can I help? And then I went to, I don't, you know, it's, it's interesting because I don't remember the decision to work with athletes as far as like, you know what you need to do? You need to be over here. Yeah. But I, I think I just signed up for, a, a, I, I don't know if it just clicked for me, but I found out about a, a camp that was happening for coaches in basketball. Funny enough, right? Not a track coach, but a basketball coach. And I, I started, I just went and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. And I had one coach give me a shot and then I built an entire practice out of it. So it was, that was basically how it happened. But the pivot away from like the business world was I never really liked like this whole idea of like, I couldn't work in corporate, like that whole idea of like, I had to buy into something that I couldn't understand And I was like, I don't like who I have to be to fit into this world. So then working for myself was a natural fit, but then finding my, you know, moorings in that was difficult because it was like, well, can you really just say, Hey, I coach people and how does that work? So finding all that and then finally finding my footing in the world of mindset and then saying, wait a minute, but who do I really want to focus on? You got to have, you got to have a niche, they say. So eventually it was just like, Oh, you know, athletes. And then when I, you know, like coaches know what I was wanting to do. And that first coach gave me a chance. Then I was like, Oh, now I really love this. Like, it's not just, I'm coaching anyone. Like I'm really focused and I understand because I was an athlete. So it just made sense, but it took me a while to figure all that out. Love it. Love it. Well, another thing you mentioned earlier that I I find fascinating with that, because one of the, the struggles I think with a lot of athletes, and I say this as a recovering athlete identifier (laughs) is that's who we identify as. I'm a football player. I'm an athlete. And that, that day of retirement is coming, whether we get to choose it, which is really rare or it's forced upon us. And one of the things I just found interesting that you just talked about is, is your identity just growing up, growing up in your household. And then even the pivot of, from a career standpoint, when you started making the money and and there was maybe some thoughts and stuff there, talk to me about how, and and first and foremost, I would say how you identify your identity today 
and how you started working down that path, because I imagine it's a similar one, one, your athletes are so incredibly blessed to get, but two people listening that still get stuck in that, oh, I'm, I'm a CEO or yeah. I'm a mom and, and something can happen and completely change that. And then we get stuck in a tailspin. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, um, you know, it's interesting because I think about that moment when I stopped doing track and because I had made it, I made a decision to leave track and field my last year in college because I was on, I was um, a walk-on, I was not on scholarship. So I had the liberty to make the decision to walk away, to graduate on time, to do my internship away from school. And um, there was some, that's a luxury that's not afforded a scholarship athlete. Um, and I'm not saying they want to quit their sport, at, but there are some that you know do feel a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to being professionally prepared for a career post sports, particularly females. It, at, you know, in the past didn't have an upside as much in the, you know, the latter years post-graduation. And it's kind of like, well, I didn't have time to build my resume and get internships and that type of stuff. But uh, so I don't remember that, but like you said, the things that you identify with, I identified with being a poor kid. I identified with being from a certain area. And then you go through these times and it's like, you're holding on to these things, these external things that you think are what matter, right? And you, you alluded to it with the mom and the CEO. And so the identity piece is so important because that external identity can always be taken away from you at any moment, you know, like you said, through your own uh, power and or something else. And what is difficult about that? So when, you know, when I went through the different hats that I was wearing, I think I just got used to not really overly identifying with anything because I was always me. Like I was really important. Like, I don't remember like, you know, the dark night of the soul. I think I do. Like, obviously when I went to college, I wasn't ready to hang up my identity as an athlete. That's what caused me to walk on at Michigan state. Um, because, and, and, you know, people say, wow, that was really amazing. I was like, no, I just did it. Cause I thought that that's what you did. Like you just go and you go, Hey, I want to, I do realize now that you can't walk on to every D one program in the country, but I it was not even a, like, I didn't think it was brave. I didn't think it was like a bold thing. I just walked in and it was like, Hey, I want to be on the team. And it, you know, it worked out, but it doesn't always work out in every, that's not an option all the time. So I think the most important thing is like that pivot, like you said, was a decision, but also understanding that when you go through that shift, taking the qualities, which were always present in me to everything was so important. So like, now looking back, like what being an athlete taught me is present in being a business person and what being a business person taught me is present in being an entrepreneur and then a friend, uh, you know, all the different stuff. So I think that's how I made those pivots, but yeah, it was such an unconscious thing, Jack, Jake, sorry. <laughs> I was, I know your name is Jake, but I almost, you're good. You're good. I, I, I honestly, you know, didn't, didn't really realize it, but it's that whole thing of, you know, the Steve Jobs quote, you can connect the dots looking backwards, but you can't look, you know, do it forwards. And so, yeah, just even having this conversation with you right now, I'm realizing how the fact that I was making those decisions at those points really gave me the luxury of being able to like, not be so overly identified in one area because I wasn't attached to, I was more chasing my own happiness and understanding of myself than I was the, you know, the external, like, this is what I am, but I definitely 
also fell into the trappings of all of it at the same time. So, yeah. And, and you see, I mean, athletes all the time when, when college is over, high school is over. I mean, I know personally it was like a, a hole that I fell into oh, yeah. and had no idea what was going on exactly. uh, or any way to process it. And, and obviously looking back, you're like, Oh, this all makes sense. What I get, I mean, your energy is awesome. Uh, I just feel like not only that, you seem to be a very optimistic individual. And I'm assuming that based on everything you've gone through in life and pivots and decisions you've made, what do you think is, is the one mental skill that ha has been a bigger challenge in developing that looking back, you wish you'd been able to develop sooner? I think, uh, great question. Wow. <laughs> Got me thinking now. I've never been asked that before. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I had to develop was an understanding that it was, it's, it's embracing the, I guess I call it, I call it embracing the suck <laughs> that I was going to be bad at stuff. Um, because, because I was good at track because I wasn't good at basketball, I didn't stick with certain things. Right. I thought that, you know, some people were born with it and some people aren't. So like, same thing with money. I thought, Oh, I was just born in the have nots and some people were born in the haves and this is just my lot in life. So looking back, I think it was just embracing the suck, knowing that there was going to be times that it was going to be hard. It was going to be something I was going to have to persevere through and not that I was just naturally going to be gifted at it. And that didn't mean that I wasn't meant to go through that and, and, and still come out the other side with some skills with some. Yeah. So I know it more now, but then, you know, when I was younger, even though I had the resilience and I just did it because that was on autopilot. I still was, you know, I, I, I even remember back to like when certain video games were popular and I wouldn't play because I was just like, oh, I'm not good at this. Like I wouldn't even like everybody else would be having fun and I'd be sitting on the sidelines because I was just good. I was good at it or I wasn't right. And the all yep. or nothing mentality. And I think, you know, just understanding that I can develop a certain skill in any area I want, as long as I'm willing to embrace the suck. Do you think along those lines and, and what popped in my head as you were talking about that is is so many athletes today are quick to jump into the transfer portal. And I have opinions on it because I know what coaches can do. And, and I have thoughts on the coach game, very different, but I, I see it almost a generation of kids that are going somewhere, not getting the starting job as an 18 year old in jumping ship or things not going as planned and jumping ship. And, and there's special circumstances, Right. But I feel like for the most part, that that's a struggle for majority of, of these young athletes today. And I'm curious if it's something you're seeing of, of an avoidance of the suck, even yeah. though it's usually the way through where we want to get to. As you said, I mean, you know, the answer to almost every question is that it depends. depends. Of course, like you said, it's conditional and every, you know, we don't know case by case, but yeah, is there a certain level of, you know, cause there's this talk about this generation is different than our generation. Like back in our day, we just sucked it up. Oh, our you know? people would have transferred in yeah. our generation if they could have. If they could have, right. We didn't know the stuff, right. We didn't have the language like the Simone Biles, the Naomi Osaka yeah. to say, yeah, I'm not going out there right now. <laughs> We're just like, no, I got to go out because that's the only option. Right. So I think um, there's something to be said. Yeah. For sticking it out. And there's something, and I just did my podcast today about this, but it's about self-awareness, right? Like you got to know, and if you're, you, you either are embracing the suck and knowing that this is not just like the first time you hit a hurdle in track and field, that doesn't mean like the race is over um, and you stay with it, or 
it could be a situation where you are doing the first thing, but yeah, have you done everything in your power to check in, to communicate, to, because those are the real skills that are developing the resilience is when you get hit, right? Like in football, you keep your feet moving. Yep. And so most, and I, yeah, I definitely see athletes where they're having a hard time with the hit, and then they're just kind of laying down and just being like, that's it. And so we do have to learn some level of like, are we actually meeting the difficulty where it's at and then checking in with ourselves. And that's a skill that needs to be taught and that's not being taught. So do I blame the, the athlete generation that is doing that? Or do I say like, Hey, we didn't get, you know, they're not getting the training. We weren't getting the training. We just didn't have the option. Like you said. So I think it's just a matter of like, you know, people said, get out of your head. I always say this focus, consistency, all these great terms that we all remember were barked at us when we were athletes. And the, if you ask somebody, how do you do that? You're going to get a lot of people. Like, I don't really know. I just know that yeah. I, would, I need to get out of my head. So yeah, focus harder. Well, yeah. how, how, right. Teach me how to, like, do I don't know. And, and that's so funny. You said that. And, and I a hundred percent agree because I think if they weren't taught it, it's our generation and older's responsibility and our fault. So mm -hmm. it's when we are bouncing kids from club to club to club to get them to yep. start, or we don't like to coach, we're yeah. setting examples in that regard versus, Hey, sometimes it's, it's okay. If you're on the bench, it's okay yeah. that you're on B team until your sophomore year of high school, you can still play college ball. Like yeah. there are so many opportunities. Can I add something? Yeah. Steve Young was behind Joe Montana for a while. Right. And it's like, and who knows if Steve Young would have been Steve Young if he didn't have to sit behind Joe Montana. Right. Yep. So, you know, because who knows behind who's who's behind Tom Brady. And unfortunately, even though they thought they were going to have their chance, they're still behind him again because he came back. Well, you think about Brady's. Have you seen the man in the arena series? No, I haven't. OK, so ESPN, 10 episodes, nine episodes, 10 episodes, Brady, each of his Super Bowl seasons. OK. And it's. They interview him and two other guys. So the first year when they lost against the Giants, I think it was Michael Strahan they interviewed, and then they interviewed somebody on the Patriots as well. But Brady says, hey, listen, I was lucky. I was lucky the Patriots drafted me. I was lucky I was in that position. But yeah. he, then he talks about everything he worked hard. So he's like, yeah, there's luck that factors in it. But Brady stepped on the field and was able to play when Bledsoe got hurt. Yeah. And in the same token, which I love, is that Brady admits in the playoff game, the game was too big for him. He, he was deer in headlights. And when he got hit and got hurt, he was fortunate Bledsoe was able to step back in and play. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the Super Bowl. Right. And so that, that backup, where you're sitting on the backup, what I, what I love is, is what you just said. Like, how can you make the most of this moment preparing for it? Because if your number is called, uh, and I talked about this with somebody on LinkedIn today, I was like, it doesn't really matter if you're in the right place at the right time, if you're not ready, like yep. it does no good. And yep. so like cultivating where you are and being where you are and having to lead from the bench sometimes as much as on the field is very valuable in learning skills because I mean, your experience, probably mine, we've been in corporate America. Yep. There's only one CEO, but you can still lead your small office and your small team and how you guys grow and develop. And so, um, that's important. One of the things I want to ask you real quick um, today is around this idea of, of struggle, of suck, of the idea that we're going to, we suck at the beginning of everything. We're not yes. going to be good. Exactly. Stood up against 
what I think is another big struggle with athletes is the need for perfection. And we obviously saw that recently with the Stanford soccer player and this idea of social media, almost amplifying quick wins, quote, overnight success stories, big highlights, and none of the rest. And so when we see that we fixate on, I have to be perfect every time, because that's all I see. Talk to me a little bit about how you continue to hammer this message with athletes from a mental health perspective, and just understanding like, there is no perfection. You can chase it, you can chase greatness, but you can't like, be overwhelmed with this idea that you're never quote, good enough. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's something that I really emphasize, obviously, in the identity piece, most importantly, because, yeah. yes, I mean, you know, condolences to Katie Byers family, as well as, you know, all the other athletes whose names I don't know yeah. have actually gone the same path. Um, you know, I was just reading an article of the OSU uh, young man that was on the Today Protect, Show. Yeah. Yeah, recently walked away. And similarly, it's like, it's not just, you know, the wins and the perfection, but it's also the, you know, you suck trans, you know, like when you win, they love you when you lose, they hate you. And before, right. Like, you know, and it was, someone said, you know, we always talk about leave it all on the field. And I remember being on clubhouse, having a conversation and an athlete said something that I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me, but maybe because I was never at the highest level of college or professional sports, but it was, um, you know, they say, leave it on the field. I said, but I can't because they're, re- they're sending the replay of my mistake yep. to me over and over and over again. And so I think the most important thing is to, of course, uh, in order to be successful in sports, to keep your job as a coach, as a player is all about winning. And, and that is, um, it is good, but unfortunate um, yep. in the sense of to pursue excellence. So I really talk to my players about finding a way to define your own wins because social media is going to be a place like one, I was, I was talking to one of my pro athletes and he said, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. Right. Isn't it good that I would get strength from like the way they talk about me? I said, you think that, but you, you actually don't understand that it is training you. Like there's, there's something going on there and then you become, you become numb to it, but not in a good way. It's kind of like all the violence on television. Oh, my mind isn't affected by it. You're just putting grass over a hole, buddy. Yep. Like, you know, so I think the most important thing is one, social media is not only training us again, you know, like the, the fame, but it's also training us to um, have less um, of a response, actually mental fatigue and things like that. And then you don't have the faculties to respond in a healthy manner to this type of criticism, to this type of talk or this type of like, cause it's like, if it's only, if this is the pinnacle of my life, if I'm not going to go on to play professional sports, then there's at what is it um katie meyer was 22 yeah. her life is over at 22 because not that, even 20 percent into it maybe yeah, exactly so we have to like get these athletes to start to define their own wins understand that it's skill over scoreboard excellence can be achieved regardless of you know like in life and 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 that is not sports is the most important thing is which i say and i know this is like a cliche thing but to really kind of wrap this up you are what makes your sport great. Your sport does not make you great. And so that means greatness can transcend any game, any career, anything, because the greatness is in you. And so getting them to understand that, and I know that's not easy, but just to say that, and those other people, you know, who are going to chime in from the bench, from the stands, from their couch, you know, they could never understand the work that you put in as a human being, 
and that's the thing. I think it's just focusing on the human being and not the, not the, not the uniform, but the person in the uniform. And so that's what I help my athletes understand as best as I can, because of course they have to opt into that. Yep. It is unfortunately something they have to enroll in, but really getting them to diversify their identity, ignore the noise and know that there's a level that they're operating on that some people just can't, they, they need to not be able to hear them because they're not able to talk on that level because you're now operating at a level of excellence. And that's why I love my podcast, because you don't have to be an athlete to understand that to push yourself to the extremes, you're discovering something about yourself as a person, not as an athlete. So 100%, it's always you versus you. Yeah. How am I striving every day to, to discover my true potential? Because right. that, I mean, that ultimately is how you leave it all on the field of life is exactly. you figure out what you were created and how, how you can maximize it, which, which I love. It's also, I'd say the, the saddest part for me in sports is fans. And wow. I say that as a, as a person, I love my teams. I love players. I love competition and watching the game, but I also, at the end of the day, know it's a game. Like yeah. the times I get upset or when I feel the game is, I would say more disrespected by players who I feel are, are lazy for lack of a bit, yeah. like they waste talent and opportunity, but the majority of fans, it's like Coliseum in ancient Rome. Like they're, yeah. they're savages and, yeah. and they have no concept of what yeah. goes into the game. They have no concept of what goes into the work or even just the people. And so that's always the, the frustrating part of it for me. And so I love hearing you talk about that. It's so encouraging and, and other people in the sports space that are working with athletes to say, how do we kind of get on that next level? Because not everybody's going to be there and that's okay, but we can't let them anchor us back exactly. um, to who we were. Um, I got a question. What, what did you run in track? Uh, I did the 200, 400, mostly the four. Um, I, I did, I mean, every meet I had a four, every yeah. Um, and then the 200, occasionally they let me run that one. Any relays? Uh, fast enough for the 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mile relay, every okay. race, every meet. Uh, and then the medley, if they had a 400 in that, I was running that too. Some meets I ran the open and the medley in the beginning, the open four, and then the mile relay. So it was like three 400s a meet. I cannot tell you how much I did not like that race, but I ran it a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I it, it was as you were talking all I could imagine was you on a relay. And here's why is your website is all about like success for you is helping your athletes and clients take that next step. Yeah. And so all I imagine is you were just telling me that last piece of how you're helping your athletes is an individual who runs and does as hard as, hard as they can, as best yeah. as they can to get the baton to the next person so that they yeah. can go do their best. And that's what embodies your work, which is why you're doing what you do. And so I, I love that. That's what I saw. I could literally see it as you were talking. And so wanted to encourage you with that. Brent, where can people go to find out more? If we've got athletes listening to the show to learn more about your coaching or for people that just want to follow along, download your podcast or listen to you, where do we go? Yeah. So a couple of places, obviously you said, I have a podcast. It's right yep. here uh, on the screen. If you're watching this, it's called the mental advantage podcast, where just like Jake, I interview amazing people um, that are from the world of sports, typically athletes. Um, and then people that are surrounding the, you know, so like, like mental performance coaches, uh, trainers, broadcasters. I had James Brown from CBS on. So it's like, you know, I'm getting everyone from the world of sports because I think it takes a level of mental game to participate in that. Uh, the other place, of course, everywhere on social media, I'm Bryn Drescher. You can find me. And then I have a challenge that I'm doing to help people get into the, basically the pro level mindset. Okay. Um, 
regardless of whether you're an athlete or not. I've had athletes and I've had entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, that's something you can do. And you can find that at friendresher.com forward slash challenge. So, and sign up for the next time I'm going to do it because it's a wait list right now. I do it like once a month. So, okay, awesome. So we're going to link to all of that in the show notes for everybody listening. Go online and get signed up when we the wait list ends. Go ahead and download the podcast. She's got some awesome guests on the show, um, which is actually how I found out about your work uh, because mutual friend Rob Bell was on there and wow. talking about puke and rally. And so I know Rob, uh, I actually have some people I want to connect you with as well. I think would be fantastic awesome. with your list. Uh, but Bren, thank you so incredibly much for making time today to hang out. I, I enjoyed finally getting to connect and, and definitely your energy and just passion is, is so encouraging. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And it was a great, great conversation. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.